Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is John Warnock. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Dogwood. I oversee uh, all of our missions uh, here at Dogwood, whether it's local or global. And let me just say, it's been a great morning already. I know in here... We've been singing praises to God and, and, and worshiping God through song, but I, I want to let you guys know, if you don't have children over in the, in the children's ministry building, uh, this morning they did their first baptism service over there, and there were six baptized, I think, maybe five at this hour, and there were three baptized just a few moments ago that we got to be a part of. And yeah, that's incredible uh, to see life change happening among our church. And, and we got it on video, so we'll be showing it in here in, I don't know when, in a couple weeks. Uh, but you guys will get to celebrate that too. Um, okay, moment of truth for a second. Um, I like to, to teach and preach. It's, been, it's fun. Uh, it's fun to get a passage of Scripture. Um, well, confession too, it's sometimes not fun. Sometimes it's really hard. But I, but I enjoy getting a passage of Scripture and kind of dissecting it a little bit and, and, and studying what, what is God teaching me? What is God teaching me about myself? More importantly, what is God teaching me about Him? What are the things that I need to do in my life based on whatever that passage of Scripture is? And, and I enjoy the process then of, of dissecting that too and going, all right, what is it that I need to share with people that I'm going to get the opportunity to teach or to preach with? And so it, that's a great thing. Now, I have to tell you there's another moment of truth that, um, that I need to confess to you is um, how many of you ever read like a passage of scripture that maybe you weren't too crazy about? Anybody? All right, so just in my quiet time this week, I'm, going, I'm doing a chronological read through Scripture, and so I'm in Chronicles, and, and it gets to the, the first couple of chapters there, and it literally, if you've not read that, it's this person had this kid, and 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 then this person had this kid, and this kid, and you're just going, man, God, I know that this is inspired. I know it's your word, and I don't ever want to say that your word is not good, but it takes thought and prayer to get through that. I mean, this week as a staff, we got together Tuesday morning, and we were we were praying with one another and for one another. And they said, John, what can we pray for you about? And I said, well, I only have one of those really good passages of scripture to talk about today, not one of the really, really, really good ones. You know what I'm saying? You you ever gone through that for a moment? Somebody nod and say, yes, that you have, because I can't be the only one that has a hard time with passages of scripture sometimes. Well, a few months ago, maybe two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, Pastor Keith emailed me and said, hey, John, would you be willing to preach on October the 16th? To which I looked at my calendar to make sure I was going to be in town, said yes, could do it. Then I got the second email that said, okay, and here's your passage, Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I was like, fine, that's great. I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't really know what that passage says yet. And then so I did a quick read, and I went, oh my goodness. He has just given me the passage on circumcision. How in the world am I going to take this and make this relevant? What am I going to do? I mean, I panicked. I did. Some of you have scripture on your walls at home, right? Yeah? Some of you may have it on your phones, you know, as your, your screensaver, your computer's screensaver. I promise you no one in this room has Galatians chapter 2, verse 3 that says, yet not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised. I promise you, you don't have it. I mean, you just don't. And so I said, all right, I get to study this and figure out what it, thankfully, God is good, right? God is always good. And you know what? Even when I come across those, I'm going to call them really good passages instead of the really, really, really good ones. Even when we come across those, they're there for a reason. Sometimes it takes prayer and study and study 
and prayer, going, God, what is it that you want for us to know about you? What is it you want us to know about how we're to live and operate in confines of that? And I am thankful that I can now say this passage is actually a really, really, really good passage of Scripture because it is incredibly important. The message that, that Paul is writing to us, that God through Paul is getting to us, is incredibly important uh, in Galatians chapter 2. Now, kind of a quick review. Pastor Keith has been in Galatians chapter 1 for a little while, and he has hammered home with us what the message of Galatians all throughout is Jesus plus Jesus plus nothing. Well, in Galatians chapter 2, guess what the focus of it is? Jesus plus nothing for us to be accepted before God. It's Jesus plus nothing. Why would God constantly remind us all throughout Galatians then? Well, listen, it's not, it's not outside of his character all throughout Scripture to give us reminders. I mean, if you study the book of Hebrews, what is it that you'll read about all the time? It's that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the message that constantly gets repeated. There's other, there's other bits and, and things in there that we get, but all throughout Hebrews is Jesus is God. Well, Galatians, it's Jesus plus nothing is how we're accepted by God. Now, why in the world would he have to remind us of this all the time? We'll get there in just one second. I want to read for you Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. It says this. It says, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear I was running or had run my race in vain. Here's what's going on. Paul has been preaching the gospel message to the Gentiles. There are people back in Jerusalem that start saying that what Paul is teaching is not exactly the gospel because they're adding things to it. And so he goes back to Jerusalem and he goes and he talks to the leaders and he tells them, here's the gospel message that I've been preaching. All right, yet, verse 3, the one that you're going to now put on your walls, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me, Barnab gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace that had been given to me. What they mean there is that they accepted them. They said, yes, you are teaching the right thing. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. Let's pray. Father God, as we continue to study your word this morning and to understand a bit about what this passage is. Father, I pray that you would help us, number one, to fall more in love with you. But God, that you would transform our lives as individuals, as a church family, to help us make sure that we are always about you and the gospel and the gospel only.
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul is driving the point home that it is about Jesus and Jesus only. It's about the gospel message and the gospel only. Now, here's a, this is a way, I think, to look at this passage. It helped me to get why God repeats himself here. How many of you have ever had to recalibrate something? Anybody? Okay, maybe it was your printer. Back in the day, you put a printer cartridge in there, and it had to recalibrate itself, and you had to jump through some hoops to get it to do that. If you've ever shot rifles, you realize that over a period of time, your rifle gets off sight. You've got to recalibrate it so that whatever you're shooting at, you're actually going to hit. Yes? All of you have a car, hopefully, so that you're not paying more money than you have to. You get your car realigned. Why? So that your tires don't get all messed up. Because if they're off just a little bit, what happens? They wear unevenly. It gets off center. God, through Paul's writing in Galatians, is calling his church, he's calling you and I, to recalibrate ourselves back to the fact that it is about Jesus and Jesus only that makes us accepted before God. He's calling us back to reminding ourselves that it's about the gospel message and the gospel message only. You see, because we have a tendency as people, we drift one way or the other. And this is hugely important. I mean, I'm not a pilot, but I've heard some, from some of the pilot friends here. That, you know, like if you set your direction, you've got your course this way, you know, going straight, sort of. But you're off by like just a degree. You know, the first little bit that you travel, if you're only going for just a few moments, you're probably not too far off base, right? But if you go for 24 hours and you're flying in a plane going 600 miles an hour, however fast they go, over that amount of time, one degree, you are off by a long way. Yes? Yeah. So, so God, through his apostle Paul, is teaching us in Galatians that we have got to make sure that we stay true to the gospel message and that we're not off even by a little bit. Because even if we're off by a little bit over a period of time, we will be way off. So the, per, the first pitfall, the first kind of way that we'll start to go when we start to kind of wander off the true gospel message is that we will tend to mix culture with the gospel. Over a period of time, we'll start to bring in elements of culture to the gospel message and how we practice our relationship with Christ. And soon and very soon, we start making things that are a part of our culture more important than the gospel message. Let me give you an example of how this works out on a very simple way. Um, back in the summer of 95, I took a group of students up to the mountains of West Virginia for a mission trip. And so we went to a small little Southern Baptist church that, I, if I remember right, they had a piano and that was it. And then we sang out of a hymnal, Okay. It was a Bible-believing church. The message that was taught followed the gospel, and what was said was true. The songs that we sang were true. Not because they came out of the hymnal, but because the message of the words that we sang were true and right. But do you know that the students that we, that we when we walked out of there, we kind of went back to where we were staying, and we were kind of debriefing a little bit. And most of the students, including some of the adults, said these kinds of things. We just couldn't worship there. I went, man, why? so tell me about that. Why couldn't you worship there? Well, because we didn't like the music. So what do you mean you didn't like the music? Well, we didn't like the piano. Well, did you think about the words that were being sung? No. We just didn't like the music, so we didn't pay attention. What they have done, and we do this, what they have done is they have said, our culture has a different style of music that we like and that we enjoy and we can only worship God when we're working and operating in that part of our culture. Guys, that's wrong. I mean, hopefully you like the music here. 
But we don't do the music here just because you like it. We do the music here because we want to make sure that we're preaching something and teaching something through the songs. There's a message to them. But even on a day when you come here and you don't like the music, you ought not walk away going, I couldn't worship God. Unless what was said through the words was wrong. Do you get, do you get the difference? Yeah, hopefully. It gets much worse than that, than just music, though, because if you go back through, as a matter of fact, if you just pay attention to the news and what's going on in different denominations today, there has been some denominations that have been swimming in culture so much that you know what they're doing now? They're now taking parts of the Bible, parts of God's Word, and they're going, he really didn't mean that. Certainly what God said doesn't really mean that. Listen, that's a scary place to be because what you've done is you're off-center from the gospel message and you're playing over here in culture and you have now taken culture and raised it to be something more important than the gospel. That is wrong and we should repent of that. That's one pitfall that we can get into. The other pitfall is we can kind of go over here and we say to ourselves, what we believe about the gospel is so important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take myself over here. I'm going to turn away from the rest of the world. And I'm going to get with my family and my friends and my church. And we're going to just do life with just us. And we're going to forget about what goes on out there in the rest of the world. Because I want to make sure that my gospel message stays pure. Guess what? That's wrong. It's equally as wrong as going over here and messing the gospel up by putting culture in it. Because what you've done is you come over here and you isolate the gospel message because you're isolating yourself. And you lose the ability to interact with those that God is going to put you with. You take away from the gospel message because you're not then able to share Christ. Does that make sense? God through Galatians is calling us back to don't go over here, don't go over here, but make sure that you're talking about Jesus and Jesus only for acceptance before God. We as individuals, we as a church, constantly need to be evaluating ourselves, our lives, our church, and make sure that we're staying true to the gospel message. Paul's driving it home for us. What we believe about the gospel is critical. In verse 4, we see that some false brothers had infiltrated the ranks of the people then to spy on the freedom that they have in Christ Jesus. And Paul doesn't leave. Paul didn't really, he argues with them, but he doesn't really give them the time. Paul there is fighting for our freedom in Christ so that Christians then, the Gentiles he had been sharing with, and so that Christians now would not be slaves to anything but Christ. Because he knew that if you start putting other things in and mixing it with the gospel, he knew that we would tend to concentrate on those things instead of on the gospel message, and then, and then we become slaves to those, to those things. Paul's fighting for the truth, because without the gospel truth, you will not know God. Without the gospel truth, you won't know the peace of God. Without the gospel truth, you will not be able to have, John 10.10 10 will not come true in your lives. This is God has came that we would have life to the fullest. Here on earth, if, you don't, if you're not following the gospel truth, you won't know who God is. In verse 6, it says, For as, as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. Some of your translations might read it this way. It might say, God does not accept a man's face. Literally what's going on there is Paul is saying, God doesn't look at the outside of you. He doesn't look at the actions, whether they're good or bad. 
He really looks at, do you have a relationship with Christ? And are you relying on Christ and Christ only for you to be accepted by Him? Tim Keller, a pastor and author from New York, writes about this passage. And he says that there's no more important statement in the passage than when Paul is talking about. And he says, hey, I went to Jerusalem to the leaders, to the apostles, and I told them the message that I had been preaching, and they added nothing, indicating that they were in agreement that it was about Jesus and Jesus only, not about what these other people were trying to teach, but saying it was Jesus and something else. I want to go back to verse 4 for a moment. What were these false brothers doing? They were spying. Here's what they weren't doing. They weren't saying, don't believe in Jesus. That's too obvious for us. I mean, we, we quickly go, if, you're, if you start teaching don't believe in Jesus, we go, okay, I'm not going to listen to you. What you're, what you're teaching is wrong. What they were teaching, they were, they were pretty, pretty slick about it. They were teaching it was Jesus plus doing something else. Over a period of time, we'll start to hear those things and we'll go, maybe that's right. Yeah, they're, they're talking about Scripture. Look in Acts chapter 15 for a moment. Acts chapter 15, I want to read two verses for you. Verse 1 and uh, verse 5, because this gives us a little bit of of insight into what's going on in the argument and to the debate that was going on uh, between Paul and some of the others. So Acts chapter 15 verse 1 says, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And then in verse 5, it says, Then... Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. These people were saying, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in Jesus, and you've also got to become Jewish culturally. They're saying you've got to obey the law of Moses. And Paul says, no. No, 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 that's not what the gospel message is all about. And I think a fair question there for you and for I to say is, so is Paul saying that we don't pay attention to the Old Testament? Do we not look at Old Testament teaching and law and understand what's going on there? He's not saying that either because all throughout New Testament, the moral law is taught in the Old Testament is affirmed. How we're to live, how we're to be set apart ethically. But the false brothers weren't teaching that the believers had to obey the moral law. In other words, don't lie and don't cheat and don't steal. They weren't teaching that. They were saying to the new believers and to the Gentiles, no, 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 you've got to on the outside culturally become Jewish to be accepted before God. So a quick Old Testament lesson here. Two kinds of laws in the Old Testament. One are the moral laws, having to deal with ethics, lying, cheating, and stealing, those types of things. And then there were ceremonial laws that had to deal with what you ate, who you ate with, who you hung out with, where you could go, when you could go there you could touch a dead body or not. Those types of things. And those laws set the Jewish people apart culturally from the other people that were around them. What was the purpose of these ceremonial laws? The purpose of these laws, uh, in many ways, um, when we look at the other name for them, there's another name for them called the clean laws. These were laws that the Jewish people back in the Old Testament, they had to follow so that they could be clean, so that they could then enter into worship of God with the other Jewish people. And there was lots of clean laws. I mean, there was hundreds of clean laws. Here's the reason why God had the clean laws. He knew that it would be impossible for us to follow all of them. 
it was impossible for all the Jewish people back in the Old Testament to follow all of them. How do we know that? Because the Jewish people still had to make an atoning blood sacrifice to cover their sin. So it's obvious then that they weren't following all those laws. Those laws were there ultimately to help people know it's not all about what you do on the outside. Matter of fact, it's impossible for you to do them. Even the high priest, the guy that that you would say, he's the one that knows all the law. He's the one that back then, he was the guy that was paid to follow all the laws. Guess what he had to do before he entered into God's presence? There was a special cleansing, atoning ceremony that he had to go through to make himself right before God. What does that teach us? It teaches us that on our own, we can't do it. If you add anything else to the gospel, if you try to work for it, you try to add something good to it, you try to take something away from it, you will not make it in your relationship with God because it's not about what we do. It's about Jesus. Now I want you to check out what the New Testament says later on in Hebrews chapter 9. I want to read again two verses for you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 10 and verse 14. Here's what verse 10 says. It says, they, referring to the Old Testament ceremonial laws, okay? It says, they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the new order. Verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse us from the acts that led to death, So that we may serve the living God. In Hebrews, God is teaching us that Christ is the final atoning blood sacrifice that makes us right before Him. Christ is that. Jesus paid for our acceptance. It's all about Jesus, it's really not about anything else. The gospel ought to be. Believed correctly, and it ought to be the most important thing in our lives. The purpose, again, of those ceremonial laws was to teach the people they couldn't make it on their own. Paul is teaching us in Galatians, God is teaching us in Galatians, that if we add anything to Jesus Christ, to be clean before God, if you add anything to that, or you take anything away, you destroy the true message of the gospel. So let's pull it together for us today. Because we're not arguing about circumcision, are we? It's not, that's not the kind of stuff that we argue about. My guess, most of us, in some way, shape, or form, we struggle in this area a little bit. Because over time, I know I do. As I, as I look down and I go, okay, I'm trying to stay straight on the gospel message. I know that over time, I tend to go over here and mix in culture a little bit too much. Or I tend to try to isolate myself too much. You know, it's easy for us. It's easy for us to look at our lives, and let's say this group of boxes represent our lives, okay? And this group of boxes represents maybe the bad stuff in our lives, the sin. It's easy for us to go, God, forgive me of the yucky stuff in my life, right? Forgive me of the sin in my life. I mean, I can look in my life and I can go, these are the things I've done wrong and I'm ashamed of them. God, I need your forgiveness for them. But did you know that really that's, that's only part of the gospel message? Yes, Jesus forgives us of our sin. And that is a great and wonderful thing. But most of us in our minds, and I don't know that we intend to do this, but I think we get off the gospel message a little bit. Most of us in our lives then look at the other parts of our lives that we think are pretty good. We look at the parts of our lives that, you know, we go, hey, 
I'm doing my best to be a good dad, to be a good husband. I go to church. I study the Bible. I give financially. I'm trying to be honest in business. And we look at these things and we go, I mean, none of us says this out loud because really we try not to be arrogant people, but we go, I'm okay. God's got to love me because I'm doing some of these good things. Maybe it's missions. Maybe I'm going and I, I go, yeah, God, you got to love me because I went to Africa this year. Now, here's something that I need you to understand about the gospel message. When we follow Christ and we enter into a relationship with him, do you know what we really need forgiveness for? It's for all of this. It's for this stuff and it's for this stuff because did you know, two passages of scripture, uh, Matthew chapter five where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's teaching there, the poor in spirit are people that understand on their own they can't make it. Isaiah chapter 64, do you know what that chapter 64 teaches us? It teaches us that even our best works are like what? Filthy rags to God. Even the parts of us that we think are great and are okay, we kind of clean them up. We think, God, this, this is a part of me that you love. That's not the gospel. The gospel message says you submit all of who you are. And you recognize your need for a Savior is about all of you, not just the what we call the bad part of you. Does that make sense? Because you see, when we start as Christians, as Christ followers, when we start looking at these good parts of our lives, the tendency for us is to get off the gospel message and we follow one of those good parts, whether it's, you pick whatever it is, and you start to make that more important than God and the gospel message. And that leads, that leads to not a good relationship with Christ. It leads to you not knowing him. It leads to you not knowing his peace. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. I I hate to categorize people, but I need to put you into at least two different categories this morning. There are some of you in this room that have never chosen to follow Christ. And so I want to talk to you for just a moment. If, if that's you, I hope what you heard this morning is that there's a God who loves you. And that the way that you can connect with Him is through a relationship with Jesus and Jesus only. And so if that's you in this room, then I, I, I beg and plead with you, not for me, my sake, but for you, that you would choose to follow him. Tell God something like this in your own words. Lord, to the best that I understand it, I'm, I'm separated from you, and I need you and you only, and I give my life to you. Now there's a second group of you in here, and it's probably the majority of the room. You are those that have already chosen to follow Christ. But functionally, you still may be in bondage to the good things in our lives. In other words, you've you've gotten off the gospel message just a little bit. And you've taken something that's good and maybe you've elevated it. Here are some examples. You've added to Christ financial freedom. You've added to Christ being a good parent. You've added to Christ being a good spouse. You've added to Christ going to church and studying the Bible. I could go on and on and list examples of good things. 
And the problem is when we get off the gospel message and we make those things more important than the gospel message, you become a slave to whatever that good thing is because you consistently try to attain that. And the deal is, is without Christ, you'll never attain those truly. And so I want to give you just a few moments of silence. I want to ask you to ask God to search your heart and to search your soul and to say, God, am I living the true gospel message which is only about you and you only? And if he identifies something in your life where you're kind of off-center a little bit or maybe you've excluded other people and you said, I'm only, I'm only I'm going to get away from culture, then I want you to repent of those things and make a commitment to come back to the gospel message. Let's spend just a moment or two in prayer. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.